The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... G. Marshall. If you have read the works of the saints and the mystics, you know what faith they put in their visions. Things they see not with their bodily eyes, but within themselves. See clearly, see vividly, with absolute certainty. The capacity to discern these visions is called the inner eye, and that is the title of this story. We must find him. Quickly. But he's gone. He's disappeared. Mother, he's in danger. We have to find him. We don't even know where to look. I know where. I know. Our mystery drama, The Inner Eye, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Roberta Maxwell. I'll be back shortly with Act One. are not confined to mystics and saints. The painter who suddenly sees the ultimate structure of his work of art. The novelist who senses the perfect conclusion to his book. The scientist who is abruptly convinced of the correct equation he has been seeking. All these and many others have visions in which they know they can believe completely. Betsy, don't you love me? You know I do, Carl. Well... Well? But just to run off like that... Don't you see how fantastic it'll be? Paris, Rome, maybe. Or we could go to Spain, Madrid, or Seville, or Portugal. We could go to Portugal. But how are we supposed to live in those places? Oh, we'd live. We don't speak Spanish or Italian We'd learn. We could pick it up. What would we live on? We'd find something. Who'd hire us? (sighs) You're a real bring-down, you know that? I don't mean to be. It's just that... Why don't you think about how fantastic it'll be? You and me, just the two of us, walking around Rome or Paris or wherever, meeting people, sitting in little cafes. But how would we live, eat, things like that? We'd make out. We'd make out fabulously. I don't see how. I don't know if Mother would keep on giving me my allowance. She she doesn't like you very much, Carl. You know that. She's got it in for me because I spent a month in a sanitarium. Holy cow, it was only a month. It's not just the sanitarium. It's all the times you've quit your jobs, walked out. Well, the jobs were no good. Now you want to quit this one. Mother's going to say... The deuce with your mother. Your mother's got nothing to do with it. This is just you and me. If she cuts off my allowance... I'll go to work. Doing what? Uh, Something. I'll, I'll do something. Don't you worry about that. Darling, somebody has to worry about it. You don't believe in me. That's the whole thing. You don't have faith in me. You don't love me. That's not fair, Carl. I should have known that a long time ago. I do love you. 
I've always loved you, If you but... loved me, if you really loved me, you'd do what I'm asking. You'd come with me. To Rome? To Paris? To Portugal? Where? Any place. To the ends of the earth. That's supposed to be what love is all about, isn't it? I don't know. I don't see why we have to go to the ends of the earth. Why can't we stay here, where we live, where you have a job, where we can make plans to get married? Are you back on that again? It's what we both want, isn't it? To get married, have a little house, children someday. Isn't that what we want? It's what I want. I thought it was what you wanted, too. I want you. I want you with me wherever I go. But you've got me. Why do we have to go someplace? Because I do. And if you won't go with me, well, that's the end. You mean the end of you and me? I mean the end of everything. Carl! The end of the road. You don't know what you're saying. It's over. Finished. Done with. I hope you're satisfied. You've ruined everything. Carl! You've destroyed me. He said it's the end. We're washed up, finished. He said it's the end of the road, the end of us. He said I destroyed him. Yeah, darling, don't cry. Don't take on like that. He isn't worth it. He said if I really loved him, I'd go with him to the ends of the earth. Mm, Were you planning to walk? That's just it. He didn't have any plans. He said we'd make out somehow and it would be fabulous. Dear heart, all young people think that things will somehow be fabulous. They think it's their birthright. It's quite a shock when things turn out otherwise. Maybe they would have been fabulous, that is. Paris, Rome, all that. Yes, I think growing up is nothing but reaching the conclusion that nothing is going to be fabulous. All right, maybe, but not fabulous. I don't want to believe that. Nobody wants to believe it which doesn't keep it from being true. Now, come on, Betsy. Dry your eyes. Take a hot bath. Maybe we'll do something nice. Go shopping. See a movie. I can't. You can if you try. Now, take your clothes off and I'll start your bath. Go on now. You'll see. You're going to love it. Oh, Carl. Carl, what have I done to you? I'm going to put some bath oil in. The expensive kind. Not my fault. It isn't. Mmm... Smells just heavenly. I didn't do anything. All right, come on now. Get undressed. It's not my fault, Mother, is it? Your fault? What's not your fault? About Carl. Darling, you did the only sensible thing. Refusing to dash off with him to heaven knows where. Now, come on. Get your clothes off. I told him you'd probably cut off my allowance. I most certainly would have. We wouldn't have anything to live on. Quite right. Now, come on. If you could have seen how he looked. I don't care how he looked. I care how you look, which is not so good. He looked awful. Well, so do you. Now, come on. Your bath's ready. I'll turn off the water. You never liked him. That's true. Come on now. Just because he spent that month in a sanitarium? That and other things. And kept quitting or getting fired. For heaven's sake, Betsy, isn't that enough? Not to want him for a son-in-law? Not to want my daughter mixed up with him? eventually tied down to him? I'd say it was plenty. And this last fancy gesture of his, running off to Europe with no money, no plans, no idea of how he's going to survive, and expecting you to pack up and go with him? What is there for me to like about it? Now, get your clothes off and get into that tub and be quick about it. 
I wonder where he is right now. I don't care where he is. I wonder what he's doing. I don't care if he's jumping off the bridge. Now, come on. That's it. That's it. Oh, Mother. Mother. What is it? What's the matter? Carl's going to kill himself. What? He's going to kill himself. Now, Betsy, you, you don't mean that. I do mean it. What's more, I know it. How could you possibly know something like that? I can see it. See it? See him? See Carl? It's like the picture on a television screen. Just as clear. Where do you think he is? I I don't know exactly. But he's got a gun in his pocket. He's taking it out of his pocket. I'm looking at it. All right. This can't be allowed to go on any further. What are you doing? I'm calling that nice Dr. Bradley. The one who took care of Carl? The only psychiatrist I know. That's where he is. Carl's there, at the sanitarium. What? Dr. Bradley speaking. What are you talking about? Hello? Oh, uh, Dr. Bradley? Yeah, speaking. He's there. Carl's there. Uh, Dr. Bradley, this is Mrs. Conover. I don't suppose you remember me? Conover? Uh, I don't... My daughter, Betsy, is, uh, was... Engaged to a young man you treated recently for a month or so, Carl Ashton? Oh, yes. Yes, I treated Mr. Ashton. Well, I'm not calling about him. I'm calling about my daughter. He's there, at the sanitarium. Yes? Mr. Ashton and my daughter have had a, well, a falling out, a quarrel, and she's extremely agitated about the whole thing. I was wondering, well, I was hoping that you could see her. You mean now, right away? If possible. She's really in a dreadful state. She imagines all sorts of things are dreadful things. And I can't get her to do anything, take a bath even. So if you could, if if you have the time. Um, Mrs. Conover, can you come right over? I'll, I'll take the time. Oh, thank you, Dr. Bradley. Oh, uh, before you hang up, among other strange things, Betsy is convinced that, uh, Carl is at the sanitarium. Would you know? Is that possible? Well, if he were to come here, Mrs. Conover, it would be to see me since I was his doctor. I was the only one who treated him. And I haven't seen him or heard from him since he was discharged. Thank you, doctor. And thank you for consenting to see Betsy. I'll expect you shortly. Thank you, Dr. Bradley. Not at all. Well, that settles that. What did he say? He said, Carl hasn't been at the sanitarium at all. He's lying. Dr. Bradley is lying. Mrs. Conover, come in, please. And your daughter. Thank you. Come on, Betsy. Please sit down, both of you. I don't want to sit down. All right. I want to tell you that you are a liar. Carl came to this place this morning and asked to see you. Did he say he was going to do that? No, but he did it. Hmm. How do you know? I saw him. You mean you followed him here? No. I saw him in my mind. I had a picture of him walking up the steps and, and going through the door and up to the desk. He's here, I tell you. I know he's here. 
You think I'm crazy, don't you? Did I say that? No, but you're thinking it. <laughs> I assure you, at the moment, I don't know what to think. He's here. I see him here. Miss Conover, when a girl and a boy have been very, very close, it's not unusual that one should think of the other very intensely, very emotionally. Perhaps you're reliving the times you came to see Carl while he was hospitalized here. You were a very faithful visitor, as I recall. I'm not recalling anything. I see him here. Excuse me a minute. Miss Brown, is it possible that Carl Ashton is anywhere in the building? Uh, there's someone here who... Uh... Oh? Oh. Yes, I realize that. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> Miss Conover, I... <laughs> I owe you an apology. Mr. Ashton was here... He asked to see me, but I was in a meeting. I didn't stop to pick up my messages. I'm sorry. He... He really was here? For a few minutes, yes. Uh, tell me, why is it so important right now to locate him? Well, Betsy thinks... I don't think. I know. Carl is going to kill himself. are not the only ones who can see with the inner eye. It is not necessary to have practiced meditation, transcendental or otherwise, in order to have visions. The most prosaic, the most practical, the most mundane of God's creatures can experience this phenomenon, possibly more than once. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. do not wish to give the name of visions to Betsy's mental pictures, then we could call them the product of precognition, which is foreknowledge, or knowing ahead of time. However, thus far in our story, Betsy's visions have been tardy, have appeared too late. This is called retrocognition, the occult knowledge of past events. Listen now to the second act of The Inner Eye. Now, Miss Conover, let's be sensible about this. Doctor, you can't reason with her. I've tried. It's true. I know it. Carl has a gun. It's in his overcoat pocket. What makes you so sure? Have you ever known him to carry a gun? No, but he has one now. And he's going to use it. He's going to use it on himself. I know it. I can see it. Miss Conover, Carl was my patient. I saw him daily for an entire month. In all that time, I never detected any suicidal tendencies. He was suffering from a mild case of agoraphobia, a fear of open spaces. As far as I could tell, this cleared up completely. Well, it must have. He was planning to leave the country, go to Paris or Rome. Was he? 
That's interesting. Well, they quarreled about it. He wanted Betsy to go with him. Without money, without prospects. He said they'd make out somehow, and it would be fabulous. (laughs) I had a fantasy like that myself when I was 20. Thank the good Lord my daughter had better sense than to go along with it. Yes, a very steady young girl. Well, that's what I've always thought, but now I'm not so sure. After they quarreled, Betsy began having these hallucinations. They are not hallucinations. How dare you call them? Call them whatever you like. These uh, convictions that Carl was going to do away with himself, that we must find him. And finally, that he was here, here at the sanitarium. Now, that's when I called you, not on Carl's account, on hers. She was becoming quite frantic. But now it would seem that her uh, hallucinations, quote-unquote, were not completely without foundation. You see? You see? Carl was here at the sanitarium earlier. That could certainly be mere coincidence. Yes, it could be. Well, it is, isn't it? Mrs. Conover, there are many mental processes that we know little or nothing about. This could be one of them. Well, it all sounds very weird to me. How can you sit there and talk about me as though I wasn't here? As though I was out of my mind and didn't count? No one thinks you're out of your mind, Betsy. I am very much in my mind. Don't you understand that? I'm trying to. Are you? Are you really? I really am. Thank you, Dr. Bradley. Thank you very much. Betsy, I didn't mean to suggest for one moment... Wait. Wait. I see him. It's Carl. Oh, yes. It's Carl. He's in a big room. A great big room with a lot of furniture in it and people. Furniture and people. He... He's... Yes, Betsy. He's sitting at a desk. He's writing a note. He's in this big room, and there are people in it. What what sort of people, can you tell? Unimportant people, strangers. They don't have any connection with Carl. Where is the room, the big room? Can you make that out? It's got long windows and long, dark red draperies. Is it some somebody's house? No. No, it's got an elevator. It's got two elevators. A hotel? A hotel lobby? That's it. Yes, it's a hotel lobby. And Carl is sitting at one of the desks. He's writing a letter on the hotel stationery. He's writing a letter to me. Could you possibly... Can you make out the name of the hotel? I don't know. I've never been in this hotel before. Well, the... The name must be on the stationery, mustn't it? Yes, yes. S-U-F, and then another F. The Suffolk? The Hotel Suffolk? Yes, the Suffolk. I've, I've been there, and it does have long windows and dark red draperies all the way to the floor. Carl is writing me a letter to tell me his life is over. He's going to end it. What are you doing, Dr. Bradley? Calling the Suffolk Hotel. 
If what you say is true... It is true. Then we'd better move quickly to stop him. Hotel Suffolk. Uh, is, is this the desk? Yes, sir. Can I help you? Well, I hope you can. Uh, this is something of an emergency. Can you tell me if there's a young man sitting at one of your desks writing a letter? Mm, there are two young men in the lobby. Oh, another's just come in. Uh, did you want someone paid? No, what I want is to locate a young man seated at a desk writing a letter on hotel stationery. No. No, there's... There's no one sitting at a desk. I see. Uh, uh, thank you. The desk clerk says there's no one in the lobby writing a letter or sitting at a desk. But he's there. He's there. I know he's there. Doctor, I think I ought to drive her to the hotel just to show her that Carl is not there. All right, I'll come with you. Oh, would you? It's my afternoon off. I'd be glad to devote it to you and your daughter and this mystery. Yes. Can I be of service? Uh, yes, I, I called about 15 minutes ago asking about a young man seated at a writing table. Oh, yes, yes. It was you I talked to. Yes, and I I wish you'd left your name. I'd have called you back because right after you hung up, a young man did come in and he asked me for some hotel stationery. Carl! Which, of course, I gave him. And he went over to one of our desks here in the lobby and started to write. It was Carl. If I'd only known where to reach you... What, uh, what did the young man look like? Medium height, uh, blonde hair... Blue eyes, I think. Yes, yes, that's Carl. Uh, tell me, did he seem at all agitated? Well, now, I guess you could say agitated, anxious. Yes, you, you could say that. He was writing a letter to me. The main point is, where is he now? Well, he, he wrote only a brief note, put it in an envelope, and sealed it. Purchased a stamp from the stamp machine and posted the letter over there in the mailbox by the elevators. Then he went out. If you'd only given me your name and number, I'd have only been too happy to... He was saying goodbye to me. Uh, is there any chance of getting our hands on that letter? Oh, no. Uh, you couldn't open the mailbox. It's terribly important. That would be interfering with the United States mail. But you see, we think... Uh, anyway, my daughter thinks the young man may be on the verge of... Well, doing away with himself, so you can see why... Well, we can't interfere with the United States mail, madam, but... Yes? What? The postman's due here in about half hour to pick up the mail. When he opens the box, he might... Well, I, I don't know what the regulations are. We've never run up against anything like this before, but he might let you have the letter. I say he might, with the proper identification. Dr. Bradley, what do you think? Would he let us see the letter? I rather doubt it. Still, we, we could wait around and ask him. It's only half an hour. He's very prompt as a rule. A lot can happen in half an hour. You're beginning to think that uh, all of Betsy's premonitions are real, aren't you? Frankly, Mrs. Conover, I don't know what to think. We don't even know for certain that it was Carl who was here who wrote the letter. I mean, there must be lots of blonde, blue-eyed young men coming in here. Miss Conover, what do you think? Why, where is she? She was just here. Where, where could she have gone to? Mother, Dr. Bradley, look what I found. It's Carl's fountain pen. 
Where in the world? It was lying on the desk over there. Well, that settles it. It was Carl who was here and Carl who wrote the letter. Now, this gentleman here suggests that we wait around for the postman. He's due here very soon, and there's a chance he may let us have the letter. If it's addressed to you, and I'm sure it is. I know it is. Should we wait, do you think? Betsy, it's up to you. No. No, the letter's just to say goodbye. It wouldn't tell us where he is. Within what? But I know where he is. You do? You're sure? I'm positive. I can see him. He's at the police station. Betsy, we can't just keep driving around if you don't know which police just station. Just keep going. We've already been to four. Mother, keep on driving. I'll find it. Perhaps if we phoned headquarters, central headquarters, I mean, uh, they could tell us something. I'd, I don't know what, but something. Yes, let's do that. No. We're almost there. Just keep going. It all seems so futile. Turn left at the next red light. I hope you don't expect me to run through the light. I don't care if you do. Well, I care. Police are going to think we're crazy enough without that. Not if Carl's there, Mrs. Conover. Well, no. Not if he is actually there. Mother, don't stop. Just be patient, Betsy. It will turn green in a minute. You don't care about Carl. You never liked him. You don't care if he lives or dies. Now, that's not true that I don't care if he lives or dies. The light's changing. Go on, Mother. Turn left. Left. You don't want me to crash into one of those cars, do you? Oh. Oh. This is the street. This is the right street. I know it is. Just keep going. The police station will be on the right-hand side. It's not far from here. Betsy, will you try to control yourself? You're almost there. I can tell. You're making me nervous. It's very hard to drive. Would you like me to drive, Mrs. Conover? Oh, would you? Uh, no, no, there isn't time. I will just pull over. We can exchange seats. Mother, there isn't time, and we're almost there. Yeah, perhaps you better drive right on, Mrs. Conover. All right, if you say so. Slow down a little, Mother. It's going to be on the right. Pretty soon now. It's a low red brick building with a green light in front. Well, you keep your eye out for it. I'm having a hard enough time just driving. We'll watch for it. There it is. There it is. See it? I see it. Yes. You were right, Betsy. Well, let's all pray it's the right one. It is. It is. Pull up, Mother. We're here. All right. All right. Come on. Hurry. We are coming, darling. We're right behind you. No. Wait. Stop. Betsy. What is it? What's the matter? Listen. You're white as a sheet. Be quiet. Listen. What in the world? Child, what is it? What is the matter? Didn't you hear it? Hear what? What did you hear, Betsy? A shot. A gunshot. We're too late. Perhaps we were wrong. Perhaps there's no such thing as the inner eye, or precognition, or retrocognition. 
or anything else but instinct. Or the simple bond that links one loving person to another who is loved. The sort of instinct that wakens a mother a second before her baby cries. I'll be back shortly with our final act. discarded the conception of an inner eye, if we scoff at the notion of precognition and retrocognition too, and agree to settle for the word instinct, then what is instinct? The dictionary says it is the natural and unreasoning prompting to action. Well then, if it is natural, and if it is unreasoning, then why not call it the inner eye? What are we going to tell the police sergeant? Obviously, Carl's not here. He was here. I saw him here. I must say, Betsy, every time you've seen him someplace when we get there, he's gone. I can't help that. No, no, of course you can't. I don't suppose you've got a vision of where he is now. No, but I heard the gun go off. I heard it just as clearly as though I was standing next to him. You folks wanted to see me? Oh, uh, yes, uh, sergeant. Mm. We, we, uh... Mrs. Conover? Uh, you tell him. Uh, I'm embarrassed, too. Yes. Oh, uh, this young lady here had a <laughs> quarrel with her sweetheart. Uh-huh. Uh, they parted, and the young man went off in a, a rather disturbed state of mind. Uh-huh. Uh, the young lady formed the uh, conviction that, that he intended to take his own life. Because they had a fight? Well, I know it sounds exaggerated, but... Yeah, it certainly does. She saw him, in her mind's eye, that is, with a gun in his pocket. He got a permit? Uh, no. That is, we, we don't know. Actually, we don't know for sure that he has a gun. He has a gun in the pocket of his overcoat. Well, anyway, the young lady said she, she saw him in her own mind at the sanitarium where I am the attending physician. The boy was a patient for a month a while back. He's some kind of a nut? Oh, no, 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 not at all. He was discharged as cured. Well, the young lady's mother called me to see if the boy was there, and I said no, because I hadn't seen him. But when they arrived at the sanitarium, it developed that he had been there, briefly. So? Well, the point I'm trying to make, Sergeant, is that the young lady couldn't possibly have known that her sweetheart did come to the sanitarium. She, she just sort of sensed it. Uh-huh. And then in my office, she had another uh, flash of insight, I guess you'd call it, that he was in a certain hotel writing her a letter. I called the hotel. The boy wasn't there. But we decided to go there anyway. And when we got there, the desk clerk said that right after my phone call, a young man had come in, asked for hotel stationery, gone to a desk, and written a short note. To me? We assume it was to her. And we're sure it was her sweetheart who wrote it because we found his fountain pen on the desk. Well, uh, what about the letter? We thought of waiting around for the postman to arrive and open the box. He wouldn't have given it to you without a special order. Yes, well, we decided not to wait anyhow because the young lady suddenly got a flash of intuition that he was here. Uh-huh. So we drove over. 
and we started to come inside, but just a few minutes ago, outside, on the sidewalk, the young lady heard, she, she thought she heard, uh, no, she heard something. She heard a shot. A shot, huh? She thinks the boy has shot himself. Uh-huh. Well, what do you want from me? Well, I, I know the whole story sounds a little bizarre, Sergeant. I, I mean... All we have to go on are, are this young lady's uh, impressions, feelings, convictions. But they've been so accurate in the long run, we thought we could come in and ask, has there been a young man here today? Yeah. Now, there was a crazy kid come in here a couple of hours ago. Talked to him myself. Well, I tried to. Couldn't make sense out of what he was trying to tell me. After a while, he just ran out. We get a lot of those kinds. You wouldn't have any idea where he might have gone? No, not the foggiest. Uh, that's too bad. Never mind. It's all right. Get an ambulance. Oh, me? He's not very far from here. And he's not dead. He's just wounded. Get an ambulance. Hurry up. He's bleeding. Oh, I can't do that, little girl. You don't even know where the fella is. You don't even know if he shot himself. I can't send out one of our ambulances on a chase like that. With nothing to go on? But you have to. You have to. Never mind, Betsy. I'll take care of this. Uh, may I use your phone, Sergeant? Go ahead. What do you have in mind, Mrs. Conover? Since the police will not oblige, I'm calling a private service. Don't worry, Betsy. We'll get you an ambulance. <laughs> You gotta tell me where to go. Just go straight ahead till I tell you to stop. You sure is crazy. He's lying in an alley. You know, the kind of an alley they have to, to get to a service entrance. That kind. How much further? Not far. Just keep going. He shot himself in the shoulder. You wouldn't know which one, I suppose. Of course. His right one. Driver, turn down this next street to the right. I hope you know what you're doing. That's all I can say. He must have put the gun to his head and then lost his nerve or something. Or changed his mind. Driver, stop right up ahead. That big building. Gotcha. By the alley. Come on. We're coming. I certainly hope... He's bleeding. Hey, you want me? Of course. Oh, look. Look. There he is. There he is, all right. How did you know? I just knew. Shot in the shoulder. <laughs> Bullet went clean through his right shoulder. I talked to your doctor, Carl. He says you're coming along just fine. There's no infection, and the wound's healing beautifully, he says. Aren't you pleased? Yeah. You don't sound very pleased. Oh, it was such a damn fool thing to do. Yes, it was. I couldn't even do it right. I'm very glad you couldn't. Are you, Betsy? Are you really glad? Of course I am. Can you imagine how I'd feel if you'd really killed yourself? You'd be better off. Now, that's a ridiculous thing to say. I'd have been miserable going through the rest of my life thinking I was responsible. Oh, you shouldn't think that. You mustn't ever think that. I, I couldn't stand it if you ever thought that, Bestie. Well, 
Anyway, you didn't kill yourself. You've just got a little wound in your right shoulder, and it's healing up just fine, and in a few days, you'll be out of here. Then what? What do you mean, then what? Then what, what? Will we just pick up again? You and me? Pick up where we left off? Why don't we just wait and see? You've been through a lot, Carl. And so have I. Yeah, I guess you have. But it all turned out all right. So, let's forget it. You know, I could have bled to death in that alley if you hadn't found me. I suppose you could have. They had to give me a blood transfusion. Really? Yeah. I'd lost so much blood. I, uh, I think I'd better leave, Carl. You need your rest. Oh, let's just stay for just a minute. I, I have this terrible feeling... I'll never see you again. Oh, we'll see each other. But not like before. Well, no, not just like before. You don't love me anymore, is that it? You don't, do you? Oh, Carl, let's not talk about that now. You must have loved me some, to have gone to all that trouble to find me. It couldn't have been easy. No. It wasn't easy. How did you do it? How did you know to go to that alley on that street? I, I don't see how you did it. And with an ambulance and all. I mean, it, it's weird. It's uncanny how you knew where to go. I guess it is. So tell me, how did you do it? I don't want to talk about it right now. Someday I'll tell you. If I can remember how it was. know how we found him, Dr. Bradley, and I didn't know what to tell him. You did it. <laughs> Your mother and I just tagged along. Okay, I did it, but I still don't know how. Well, I suppose the psychics would say you were one of them. I don't want to be a psychic. It's too hard. <laughs> well, if you don't want to be a psychic, don't be. Do I have a choice? Hmm. Many people have psychic experiences once, maybe twice, then never again. I think I'll be one of those. But I'm glad I had this one. If Carl had bled to death in that alley... You'd have blamed yourself. I understand that. You understand a lot, Dr. Bradley. Uh, it's part of my profession to understand or try to. I'm so grateful to you for, for going along with me, humoring me. When you must have thought I was, you know, a little soft in the head. Mother didn't. Why did you? I don't know. Maybe because I like the look of your soft little head. The independent way you carry it. Oh, come on. That wouldn't be the reason. Does there have to be a reason? I always thought there had to be. Uh, you may be right. But do we always have to know the reason? Can't we just go along on instinct? You did, you know. Me? I did. When you went along with your visions, with the pictures you saw in your inner eye. Is that what I did? I think so. Now, I ought to tell you that I, too, am having a vision. Really? Are you? What is it? Well, I... 
see myself in a very attractive, very quiet little restaurant, sitting at a table with a very polite, nice waiter waiting to take my order. And across the table from me is a girl, a very pretty young girl, with a very pretty little head, which she holds very high. And I'm trying desperately to make a good impression on this young girl with the proud, independent little head, because... Because why? Because I want very much for her to like me. I see. Oh, excuse me. Yes, Miss Brown, what is it? Oh, wants to see me? Well, ask him to come in. It's the sergeant from the police station. Says it's urgent. I thought you might as well hear what he has to say. Uh, come in, sergeant. Thank you. You remember Miss Conover, of course? Sure. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm glad you're here, Miss Conover. I've got something that may help clear up part of the little mystery in regard to your young man. Remember you said you saw him writing a letter in that hotel? Well, he was writing a letter, all right. Only it wasn't a letter to you. It wasn't? I was sure. No, it was to me. Seems your young man had embezzled some money from the firm he worked for. Oh, he put the money back, all right. But one of his co-workers was threatening to expose him. He was scared to death of the publicity. And that's why... That's why he wanted to run away. Mm -hmm. And when you wouldn't run away with him, he tried to kill himself. That's all there in the letter. You can read it for yourself. And you too, Doctor. Thank you, Sergeant. That's about all, I guess. I'll be getting back to work. Well, thank you for this, Sergeant. It's all right. Thought you ought to know. Well... It would seem your psychic abilities are not infallible after all. It would seem that way, wouldn't it? And you know what? I'm glad. now of the inner eye. Is there such a thing? Can it summon up visions of events taking place in the world of reality? Does it serve a valid social function? Is it a dependable guide to suitable action? Well, yes and no. I'll be back shortly. If you want my extremely humble opinion on the validity of the inner eye concept, it is this. There is a possibility, and only a possibility, that such a strong tie can exist between two people. That one can instinctively follow the movements of the other. This tie, by the way, may be fashioned of love, or it may be made of guilt. Our cast included Roberta Maxwell, Terry Keene, Gordon Gould, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.
This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.